And uh, I got into some teachings that I had a long time ago. And you'll find out how long ago and shortly. But we want to have a better understanding of the Word of God. We've been told so many things, and they haven't clarified things. And I hope, I hope by the grace and the mercy of God that we can come to a better understanding of God's Word. Amen. The Bible has much to say about the laws of God. He made the statement that these laws were forever the part of the law that Jesus came to fulfill was the sacrificial part because the sacrifices only covered and pushed the sins ahead to the cross of Calvary. Okay? That's all those sacrifices did because there was nothing pure or holy about them. Even though they were a lamb or a goat or whatever it was without spot or blemish, it wasn't perfect. All right? So this is why it just pushed everything to the cross of Calvary and thereby leaving a merciful God to speak with and deal with a sinful Israel. Jesus came to blot out completely the sins of those that had offered the sacrifices in the Old Testament according to what God wanted. They couldn't bring just anything, Brother Jerry. They had to bring it specifically the way he said. And he has a plan. He has a plan for us today. We'll get into that a little bit later. Therefore, they might not be charged, those people again. They won't be charged with those sins because Jesus paid the price on Calvary, okay? They were pushed up to there. Whenever he said, Father, forgive them, he meant those behind him as well as those with him and those in front of him, us. We're more in front of Jesus, and that's us. And I thank God for that this morning. I don't know how you feel about it, but I thank God for it because this is a very great blessing and it makes the scriptures easier to understand if these little tidbits come forth. And I appreciate God for letting me have a few of them. I appreciate him for letting me sit under teachers that had the wisdom to be able to move in the will of God. Jesus observed every law, commandment, statute, and ordinance that God had given the children of Israel from Genesis right down to his day. He observed them all, okay? But there's one thing he didn't observe, and that was the man-made laws, the man-made customs, the man-made ideas. But you see, he didn't break those laws because he kept God's law. If we keep God's law, we will not break our national law except the one they're trying so hard to come into focus which is to shut our mouth that we cannot tell others about this wonderful Jesus that we've got. How many believe they're trying to do that? Well, I got a little piece of material here. It's from the Apostolic Law Association, and this is what they say. The United States Supreme Court has agreed to review speech case. Okay? The Supreme Court of the United States has decided to review a lower court decision that could force local governments across the country either to dismantle a host of monuments, memorials, and other displays, including long-standing patriotic and historical displays, or else 
let all comers install a privately owned monument regardless of its content. Now that, just think about it. The Supreme Court today granted a petition for writ of, I can't pronounce that name, Centario or something, in the case of Pleasant Grove City versus Summum. Okay, that the Supreme Court agreed to take this critical case is important because it causes the court to face a dramatic opportunity to preserve sound precedent involving the well-established distinction between government speech and private speech. What you and I speak to one another, that's our private speech. When it comes down out of Washington, D.C., that's governmental speech. They, they're wanting them to distinguish between that. And let's see, where was I at? Uh, permitting, a, if they, a, the well-established distinction between government speech and private speech, or permit a twisted interpretation of the Constitution to create havoc in cities and locales across the country. All right? Now, if you don't think this is going to go forth, there's a whole page on this side, but I want to read to you what Canada is doing, has done, and they're trying to get it in America. David Ben-Gurion, the first Israeli prime minister, once said, the test of democracy is freedom of criticism. Do you agree? Yes. We can say, I don't like this president. I don't like whoever is running for president. I don't like this or that or something else. We have a right to do that, but not a right to enforce our criticism, okay? Nowhere have politicians more miserably failed that test than in Alberta, Canada, where the gatekeepers of political correctness, how many times have we heard that in the last couple of years? Is that politically correct? Okay, the Human Rights Commission have sentenced a pastor to a lifetime of silence. Now this is a pastor. They've sentenced him to a lifetime of silence. He can't speak against anything anymore. Can't even give his opinion on anything. The case was initially in 2002 when Reverend Stephen Boyson published letters to the editor opposing same-sex marriage in the Red Deer Advocate. At the time, Canada was embroiled in a debate over whether to legalize counterfeit marriage across the country. When Professor Darwin Lund of Calgary read the pastor's editorials, he filed a complaint with the Alberta Human Rights Commission alleging that the content of the article was hateful. Okay? They're going to really get me, aren't they? The commission appointed a tribunal to investigate the pastor, led by his unelected bureaucratic Laurel, and this is another person, I don't know their last name. Last November, the elected official found him guilty of discrimination and without the benefit of his testimony. They wouldn't even let him talk and come before that commission, okay? Forbade him from uttering anything disparaging about homosexuals. 
Notice that the official does not ban him from speaking anything illegal, but bars him from any negativity toward gays and lesbians. The official punishment issued without so much as a public hearing includes everything from personal emails to congregational sermons. As if the lifetime speech ban were not tyrannical enough, the elected official also ordered the pastor to compensate Professor Lund, who was not a victim of the so-called hate crime. $5,000. Under the terms of his sentencing, the reverend must cease publishing remarks about homosexuals and submit a written apology to Lund for publication in the Red Deer Advocate. Ezra Levant, who is under similar scrutiny for printing cartoons about Muhammad, noted in a new column, Pastor has to publicly humiliate himself by publicly declaring his contrition, a contrition he does not feel and his abandonment of his deeply held religious beliefs. Does that happen anywhere outside of communist China? Conservatives across Canada are in an uproar over the ruling, and many are demanding that Premier Ed Stalmach follow through with his promise to review the unbridled censorship of the HRC. If he refuses, Alberta thought police thought now. Thought. You can think it. The thought police can indict any pastor or average citizen who holds political and moral views contrary to the powers that be. I predict the United States courts are not far behind this outrageous form of censorship by criminalizing the expression of nonviolent thoughts. I recommend fighting all legislation that prohibits free and unfettered speech. The Christian Freedom Foundation supports all resistance to unreasonable and oppressive laws. Now, I could go forth and read all of this, but I will post this on the outside, and it would be good for us to read, because, children, this is exactly what's trying to happen. This is why we've got to know within our hearts and within our lives, what are the actual laws of God? We're to know them how to live now. We are to know them for how to live in the millennium. And when you get there, don't think you're going to automatically know them because that's not the way God works. He's teaching you now. He's wanting you to learn now His laws. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ray. I appreciate that. There was a time that God winked at ignorance, but he doesn't do that anymore. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. In other words, if you're not obeying God's law, you're going to perish. But he will not give you what you want, mercy, and all these wonderful things, wonderful gifts he's got to give us. It will be judgment right down the line if you sin without the law of God. Okay? 
However, as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Okay? The laws of God are just and good. God is no respecter of persons. His judgments are fair and honest. Did you ever take it into account where we got our Constitution and our Articles? Right out of the Old Testament, our forefathers had common sense enough to do this. This is why you've got organizations such as Sumat, Sumam, and some of the others, ACLU, I think there's about 15 of them. They're all fighting to come against what God installed in America because this was the place for his children to take up residence. Most of the people that came to the United States in the early years were Christians and they wanted to get them out of the countries they were in. They were suffering, kind of like the Jews did when Germany, Hitler was there. Christians are suffering. They wouldn't let them have a Bible. That was punishable, sometimes by death. They wouldn't let the ministers read. They had to go to a certain group that had privileges to hold the Bible, and then they determined what they wanted to tell you out of it. I've read enough history books on that to know that they were not always truthful about what was in the Bible. So we've got to realize we've got a great thing going, but we've got to have it. Paul tells us we are not to be just hearers of the word and the law, but doers of the law before God, and then we'll be justified. You take a child and set him in a classroom and let him sit there and do-de-do-do-do-de-do. I've seen it. And then they go out. But you take a child that sits there and once in a while makes down a note that the teacher says, Who's going to pass the test when it comes to time? Not the one that do 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 his time away. It was the one that studied, the one that listened, the one that paid attention. And that's the way it's going to be with us. There are some people that live better lives without the law. I'll grant you that. They are good, honest, moral people. They love their families. They love their children. They are very respectful. They, they have good homes and they take care of those homes and etc. all the way down the line. They live by moral rules. But you let somebody come and say something or let them stump their toe when somebody said you destroyed something in my property, they're going to be judged by the law right there. Look at our court system, how unfair they are. You can kill as many people as you want, and maybe you'll get 25 years in jail. That is if they like you. But if they don't like you, you'll get life without parole. For the same thing, and maybe not even that much. I know a young man that got 15 years for molesting somebody, two girls that was willing. But he got 15 years. They didn't get anything. There has also been others that's done that, that's got life. And these, by the way, were older girls. They weren't young kids. Okay? There are others 
that has gotten since that time, and I've read the paper quite a bit, two and three years. Consensual, I think, is what they called it. But the judge didn't call it that. The judge looked at him, said, you're going, and he went. So we've got to realize that moral laws, moral people are wonderful, and they're very hard to get into church. If they're good moral people, hey, I'm just as good as so-and-so in that church. No, you're not. Because so-and-so that's in the church hears God's word and lives by God's word. You may not like what they do when they lift their hands to praise the Lord and worship God. But let me tell you something. They've got a lot more than what the moral man's got. And I thank God for that too. If they are with their friends, with the judge friends and the police friends, there's very little punishment. And if they were unliked, for one reason or another, a very harsh punishment. There's no fairness in our justice system in America today. No fairness at all. All right? They, but in the end, let me tell you, there's going to be judged by the great judge. God will judge the unrighteous judge, the unfair judge, or police, whatever it is. He's going to judge that. And they're not going to be with his mercy. They're not going to be with his grace. It's going to be with judgment. You know, God never tells us to do something or asks us to do something, commands us to do something, however you want to say it. He never does this without saying, if you don't do it, this is going to happen. Right? He does give us warnings. Yes. Oh, praise the Lord. We have given our hearts and lives over to Jesus Christ and have things much better. Jesus told the apostles, I am the way, the truth, and the light. The laws of God are just and fair to everyone, even those that are not saved. Why? Because he still has the door wide open to say, come in and be saved. He doesn't shut anybody up. They shut themselves out when they refuse. But God wants whomsoever will to come forth. Man has made them unjust and corrupted them, the laws of God. Just as the First Amendment of the Constitution has been maimed and twisted all out of shape, and this has happened in the past years to many of the amendments in our Constitution, man cannot keep his thoughts out of what was written for the good of all the people. All the people. We've traveled in foreign countries and they told us how blessed we were because we could speak against the leaders of our country if we didn't like what they did. If we didn't like a suit they wore, we could tell them about it. We didn't like it. Their conduct, we could say we didn't like it. We can't enforce our likes and dislikes, but we can express them. Try going a week without expressing your likes or dislikes. Put silence across your lips. I know some that would have a very hard time doing that, wouldn't they, Brother Tom? <laughs> I'm just picking on him. I'm just picking on him. I love him. He wouldn't have too hard a time, I don't think. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When we read about the New Testament, watch what they are labeling everything. Well, I skipped the paragraph. Excuse me. If we obey the laws of God, the laws of men will have no bearing on us. Because we are going to be honest, we're going to be just, we're going to be faithful, 
we're going to be true, we're going to be good neighbors and law-abiding citizens. When uh, the speed limit is 35, we're not going to push it up to 39. And I'll not call a name on that one either. God's law do not favor one person or people over another. Everyone has a choice to either serve God and obey his laws or to do whatsoever they want to do and disobey God's laws and then stand before the judgment seat. Regardless, we all shall stand before God in the day of judgment and there we shall answer him. Okay, when are we going to be judged? When the Christian stands before God for their rewards, we are being judged at that particular time. Did we do something hateful, cruel, wicked, vile, and ask God to forgive us, and he forgave us? That's right, he did. But that takes away from our reward. But now the sinner man or woman, they'll stand before the judgment seat of God. He'll open the books and won't find their name written there. That's the kind of judgment they're going to get because they never repented. They never gave their heart and life to God. Am I making any sense this morning? Some of you look at me like, what world is she from? <laughs> okay. All right. When reading the New Testament, I'll get back to where I'm supposed to be. Watch when they label everything a Jew. Much of it is really spoken to Israel as a group. Jews, remember we've talked about it, it was Judah, Benjamin, and half the tribe of Levi. Okay? The other ten and a half tribes were called Israelites. But to God, they're joined. Well, you say they aren't joined now. No, not that they know of right now. But there are scriptures in the Bible that tells us that God loves them so much still then. Israel, the whole group, was the apple of God's eye. And he loves them. It's like our children. When they do something bad, we sure don't like them, but we don't hate them. We love them. And that's the way God is. Yes, Israel, the ten and a half tribes, went off and they did things that they knew was against what the commandments had been. They knew what Moses had ministered to them. They knew what Joshua had said, but they broke up. Jews, on the other hand, went down to, they call them the southern nation. Okay? They obeyed for a season. Then they got just as wicked as the other group. But God had promised that there would come a seed out of Judah. All right? And that was Jesus Christ. And that's why they're still intact today. That's why it's there. But hey, look, what did God tell Abraham? He said, your seed will be as the stars of the sky. You couldn't put all of them in that little big country, Israel. But he's got another one. He's got, it's holding them, and they're coming. They're coming. Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? And I'm going to answer these questions for you. And what profit is there in circumcision? Jews are of the tribe of Judah. Okay, I just explained that. Now, when the other 12 tribes, uh, the other 10 and a half tribes departed away from the country of Israel, 
they went over into captivity. And then they were taken across the Caucasus Mountains. You can find those in your uh, mass atlases. They were taken across there. But did you ever ask why we're called Caucasians? The Caucasus Mountains, when we crossed it, we were called Caucasians then. Okay, think about it. I don't, ex don't accept it right now. Think about it. Go home and read about it. Amen? God has repeatedly said he would bless those that helped Israel. He would curse those that cursed Israel. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. He was the promised one. This was the Jews' advantage. Yes, God once divorced Israel. However, his word tells us that one day he'll take her back when he puts the two branches back together. Okay? He separated them from those that wouldn't believe in him or follow his laws. Now, what profit is there in circumcision? Okay? That was commenced long before Judah, and yet they blamed the Jews for it. Judah wasn't even born at the time circumcision was began. Abraham was circumcised. He circumcised everybody in his family and his servants. It's in the book. Yes, it is. All right, circumcision is for the health benefits. But let's go back for this one thing. It was also dis to distinguish God's children from the world. That started it off, to distinguish God's children from the world. Then it's for health reasons. Women that marry men that have been circumcised have less chance of coming to have cervical cancer. Did you know that? They're less up, apt to have cervical cancer. All right. Now, another reason is because with circumcision, they, the male can clean himself easier. Those that haven't been circumcised a lot of times will be strangulated by what should have been cut off and washed. So see, circumcision stops the strangulation too. Well, Sister Oswald, where do you get all that? Out of my nursing books. Okay? Out of my nursing books. But it's also in the Bible. All right. It is not. Circumcision is not for salvation. It has nothing to do with salvation. It was just a separation at that time of God's children from the rest of the world. Now, it's strictly for the health laws, okay? Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 and 16 says, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whether thou goest to possess it. This holds true for us today. If you really want the blessings of God, you will obey the word of God. All right? What land shall we possess? Revelations 13, or excuse me, 12, 13b, I'll not read all of it, just that last part. The woman which brought forth the man-child, 
verse 14. To the woman where were given two wings of a great eagle, America's emblem, that she might fly into the wilderness. That is what America was when the woman came to America. To her place, religious freedom, worship, freedom to worship God, as he gave wisdom and knowledge and eventually led to the Constitution of the United States, where she nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Now, that's those that would destroy and was destroying Christianity in Europe, European nations and Asia and all those countries over there. Now, your history books are full of this. You need to read them and know because this is what you're going to be facing. Verse 15, And the serpent, those who do not believe in salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ, cast out his mouth water as a flood. And when you talk about a flood in the Bible, that usually talks about many people. Okay? After the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. People. Now, this is a great horde of people. All right, for a while, America had the right to worship God. After 1960, things began to happen that tried to squelch the worship of God. First one little tidbit here in Congress, then another little tidbit over there. And they begin then to try to close in on the Christians. If you'll notice, those hate crimes are not against anyone but Christians. Isn't that what the Bible said would happen? I just read it to you. It's in the book of Revelations. All right. Verse 16. And the earth helped the woman, the church. The earth. The earth. We're having floods. We're having tornadoes and hurricanes. And all these disasters. We're trying, God's trying to let people know the church cares enough to help them when these other places don't. I agree with what Brother Ray said. We need to be interested in missions a lot more than we really are. When you buy a Coke sometime, you think about a price of a Coke could buy a missionary a meal for one day. Just think about it. Just a Coke, and how many do we consume? How many hamburgers and french fries and all that sort of thing when we could stay home and our spouse could cook a good meal? Okay? And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood. Now, there again, though, that is talking about many people. They're opening up. God's showing them who these people are that's trying to squash. And that's what he's doing. That's what... This uh, paper, the Freedom Foundation, Christian Freedom Foundation, not only him, but there's J.C. Clough, there's the uh, Law Group, I forgot their name right now, but there's several groups that's trying their very best to help Christians to keep their rights. And how many are we supporting? That's missionary work here at home. That's home missions. I think I'm going off a little bit. Okay. Verse 17. The dragon, which is Satan or the Antichrist, was wroth 
very angry with the woman and went to make war with her remnant of her seed. All right, read Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 to prove that one. Which keep the commandments, are the laws of God, and have testimony of Jesus Christ. It's in the book. We shall possess our towns, our cities, our states, our nation, plus the foreign countries in which we have sent 90% of the missionaries. This is in the millennium. Not today, not now, but this is in the millennium. And this is another reason we know what, we should know what's going on. Did you ever go into a country and you didn't know what was against the law? We have, and thank God we had a few people that sympathized with us and told us that, that you can't do that in this country. Did you ever go into a country where when you started to cross the road and you saw a car coming, you couldn't turn back and go to the sidewalk? We've been there. How does it happen? Well, what happens is when the cars are coming and they see you going across the street, they'll swerve to go behind you. And as you walk, the next row of cars will go behind you. And they're sometimes as high as four and five rows of cars on one side. Then those that's coming this way will go this direction behind you till you get over to the other side. That's the law in your country. Very frustrating and very frightening. For years, the founder of the First Apostolic Church in New Haven, Illinois, my father-in-law, his dad, taught all these things. Reverend Martin Hosclaw taught the truth. God had revealed them to him back in the early 1940s. Now, why did God reveal it then? Because he asked. That man would get out behind his house in a, a woods. There was a stump there, and he would pray and cry out to God for wisdom and knowledge of things he didn't understand, and they heard him for three and four miles around because not everybody had a television and not everybody had air conditioning, and the windows were open and people were outside more. But they heard him. They testified to him praying. People that are still living from back in that time still talk to us today about, Roy, your dad was a prayer. Why? Because they heard him. He didn't do it for them to hear him. He didn't know they heard him when he was asking God. But God gave him this wisdom, this truth. And that's how I was raised from a baby. See, I'm looking at some of you, and you don't even know where I'm at. You don't even understand. I don't understand why not. Because I was taught from a baby, a baby Christian. All of these truths. And that's how come I know what's going on. And it frightens me because God's kids don't know what's going on. I know what they're facing. This paper I just read to you told us a little bit of what's coming. Well, I won't do it. They can't tell me what to say and what not to say. I beg your pardon. They can even tell you what to think. Look what Hitler did. Just look what he did. And honey, there's a greater one coming than Hitler. The Antichrist himself is coming. 
This is the end time. God is expecting us to hold these truths dear and near to our heart and abide in them. Abide in them. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God. He's the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him. Now listen to this. And keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Wow. Wow. They had longevity of life back there. Then it shortened, and it seems like it's getting longer now. What's a generation? A thousand generations. Whew. Uncomprehensible to me. We hear people today having a hard time with those who disclaim the Ten Commandments. But many organizations, and I'm talking about Christian organizations, that bring citizens to court for even talking about them are having signs in the yard, are hanging on the walls, well, that, that organizations like the ACLU, are hangings on the wall of schools or in courthouses. Yet, we do not think of it all about, at all about disobeying the commandments. I'm talking not just about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about all of God's commandments. Jesus said many times, says, I command thee this day. That wasn't just for that day. That's for our day. That's why it was recorded. I command thee. John, 1 John 3 and 4 tells us that sin is the transgression of God's law. Notice, John said law. He said law. He didn't say Ten Commandments. John knew, for he walked and talked with Jesus Christ about many things, that Jesus was to fulfill the law by living upright and obedient in his heavenly Father, as well as do away with the sacrificial offerings within the laws of the Old Testament. Uh, when was the last time you offered a bull or a goat or a sheep at the altar? And that's because Jesus took it away. He took it away. You know what our sacrifice is today? Giving ourself to God. Coming to the altar and saying, Lord, here I am. I'm dirty, I'm unclean, I've done this, I've done that, I've done something else. Confess it to Him. Don't confess it to the church. Confess your sins to Him. And then he, you've got them all laid out there. Just I don't know how far they'd stretch. But you know, and He knows when you're done, and He knows when He just goes, whoosh, and you're clean. And you get up, and hey, it looks like a rosy world. There's not a brother or sister in this church that can do anything wrong. There isn't. Not at that moment and not for some time to come. Think about it. When you were first saved, I mean, you saw good in everybody. Some of us today can't say that, can we? I'll not go with that illustration I did last week. Okay. <laughs> Paul's trying his very best to tell us in many of his apostles, especially in the book of Romans, the law 
is the schoolmaster. How many remember reading that? The law is the schoolmaster. Okay? Yes, we do throw away all the things we were taught. Let me stop that. Yes. Do we throw away all the things we learned in the first, second, and third grades? No. No. You hang on to those things. Okay? The law is what makes us recognize good from evil, truth from fiction, and brought us to the knowledge that to disobey or break one of God's law is a sin. Can we break off here just for a moment and give a good example? In the book of Genesis, we are told that God gave Adam and Eve only one commandment. One. Okay? He also told them the judgment of breaking that commandment. Mm -hmm. All right? They broke the commandment. The tree was nice to look at. I'll let that bird go. Okay? It tastes good. It would make her wise. Then she gave to Adam. Mm -hmm. Chapter 3, verse 6. As he was with her at that time. Now, at first, he wasn't with her. The Bible does not say he was with her at that time. But when she eat and was eating the apple, he came up. And she gave it to him to eat. And he didn't say, uh-uh, I can't do that. See, men, there's times you tell your wives, your girlfriends, your sweethearts, uh-uh, I can't do that. Why? Because it's a sin. It's a sin. That's why we need to know the laws and the commandments of God. All right? Notice, they broke the commandment. All right. This was God's tree. He told them it was his tree. Don't touch it. Don't even touch it. It's mine. Mothers, how many times have you told the kid, now that's a pretty vase so-and-so give to me. Don't you touch that. Or, these are my flowers out here. Don't touch them. Look at them, but don't touch them. Because when you touch them, you kill them. The salt in your fingers kill them. So what's the next thing that happens, Mom? That's that Adamic nature. That's that Adamic nature. That they want to do what they've been told not to do. Okay? All right. Notice the curse. The serpent was to travel on the ground on his belly, and dust was to be was he to eat all the days of his life. And verse 15 says, and his seed's life. Okay? His seed's life. Now look at Eve. Number one, all women was to have great sorrow in conception and bearing a child. Number two, and ooh, her husband was to have rule over her. Before she was at his side, she was a helpmeet. She was right there beside of him. But now, things has changed. Today, the husband is to be the priest of his household. 
the spiritual leader. She still is helpmeet, by the way. There's just one difference. The last word is his. If she says, honey, we need a new car. And he goes and prices cars and he looks at things and he comes back and he says, no, we can't afford a new car now. But I want a new car. That's enough. We can't afford it. That's the difference. Okay, let's look at Adam. Cursed is the ground for Adam's sake or for Adam's good. Why? Because before this, all he had to do was to walk around in that beautiful garden. He ate what he wanted. He petted the lions. He hugged the giraffe's neck. He was just free to do whatever he wanted as long as he went around and looked at the animals and said good morning and so on and so forth because he was the keeper of the garden. But he did no manual labor. And then when he got out of the garden, there was rocks where there hadn't been rocks in the garden. There was weeds and thistles and thorns and all of this, and there hadn't been in the garden. But now they were sprouting up faster than the crop could sprout up. Adam had to work. He had to earn by his living by the sweat of his brow. And then number four, until the day he dies, buried in the ground, to return to dust. That's how long his sentence was. It was over 900 years because 1,000 years God considered a day. He told them, he said, you'll die that day. They were not, Adam nor Eve, 1,000 years old. They were less. And I don't know of any man or woman that lived over 1,000 after that. Why? Because they're born in sin and shapen in iniquity because that's what Adam and Eve did. They sinned. And we carry the sin with us today. That's that Adamic nature. That's having to touch what you're told not to. Okay? The earth never before had weeds, thorns, or thistles grow. And now it produced a lot of these. They still do. It does. The animals. I want you to look at this. Now, see, this is what all had to suffer. There's not just Adam and Eve, but there's all had to suffer. The animals had to die. God had to kill an animal and make clothes for them. Oh, they run around naked. No. They were covered with the Shekinah glory of God. They had God's glory all around them. They didn't appear naked to one another or the animals or God. Because that was his kids. He created them. Okay? But now these animals had to die. Okay. Prior to breaking the commandments of God, they had been clothed with God's glory. Did you ever stop to think why some animals don't like human beings? It's just almost like they sense that we're responsible for them being carnivore, car, carnivores and getting killed. Nobody shot an animal in the Garden of Eden. Nobody stabbed it and cleaned it. Nobody wrung the chicken's neck to fix it. No. Why? Because they eat herbs and fruit. That's exactly what they read. It's in the book. When we sin, 
we do not suffer the consequences alone. We don't. It reaches out to others that we don't even think about. Adam and Eve never thought when they ate that that it was going to reach out to the earth, that it was going to reach out to the animals. Adam never dreamed he'd ever have to sweat. Eve never dreamed when she had a child that it would be painful. Okay? When we sin today, and I could name all kinds of illustrations, but let your mind think. When you see people do something wrong, how many people are influenced or touched by it? Parents, children, all your relatives, your friends, even your enemies, even your boss at work. All of these are influenced when we do something wrong. Yes, the break commandment is a sin. How many do we touch because of that? Do we throw away all the things that we were taught in school? Again, I'll ask. No. If we did, we would never write, read, do math, drive a car, or count money. You learn that in the first two or three grades, plus a lot more. But as we mature, we build on what we learned then, where we learn to say, see Jane run. We can now say, see Jane run over the mountains and down the hills and in the valleys. We, we just build on it. That's the way it is with God's word. We are to build on his word. Praise God. But we hold fast to principles of early and later training, the same as with the laws of God, for we shall be ruled by them in the millennium. Okay? I'm going to have to quit there. I guess God knew that because I put stars that this next part of it is important. But it's 12 o'clock, and... I pray I haven't confused you too much, and if I have, come and talk to me or Brother Hoseclaw. I don't know all the answers, but I can point you in the right direction because God's still working on me, and I'm still learning. And I thank him, and I thank you all for your attention. Amen.